today we are interviewing Community Integrated Medicine at MSU Com. I want to start off by asking you guys if you guys can tell us a little bit about yourselves and the organization that you guys are a part of. So my name is Rodan Meccano. Uh, I'm a second year osteopathic medical student at MSU Com. Uh, I'm a non-traditional student, so I'm 29 years old. I went to undergrad at the University of Michigan, um, majored in neuroscience with a minor in Asian languages and culture. Um, I'm a Filipino-American. Uh, after undergrad, I did a master's program in medical sciences and mental health at Boston University, um, and then ended up working for a couple of years overseas the Philippines uh, in community-based drug rehabilitation um, capacity programming. Kate Bailey. Um, I'm also a second year um, medical student at MSU Com. I majored in biology with minors in um, chemistry and statistics. Um, I went to undergrad at Olivet Nazarene University in Illinois. One kind of cool thing about me is I worked in the pharmacy uh, for four years before I started med school. And one of the pharmacies I worked at was um, in a downtown area that um, was very underserved. And so I got to see a lot of those health disparities firsthand. So I'm trying to bring some of that experience to this talk today. Um, I'm also married, so that's fun. A dog, so that's about me. Uh, community Integrated Medicine Organization.com is kind of one of the service organizations that provides hands-on activities for the med students to really try and integrate and interact with the community, both at uh, MSU in East Lansing, but also at our satellite campuses or sister campuses at uh, Macomb and DMC. Prior to the COVID pandemic, we did a lot of health screenings, health fairs, uh, usually at the YMCA schools, at Macomb and DMC. I think Kate can tell you more about that, but they've also mm -hmm. got mobile clinics where they go out and opportunities to screen the local community. I didn't get a chance to do the mobile clinic before the pandemic shut everything down, um, but I was able to volunteer um, at Huda Clinic, um, which is a little bit more of the Detroit campuses, like baby, but it is a free clinic that um, provides services to people who like need it. And I volunteered there before, and it was such a rewarding experience. Um, like, not only helping people, but um, just as a student, it was a great learning experience of um, learning kind of like what it's actually like. You got a taste of what it's like to be a doctor. So, you know, um, you did the interviews, you took down the history, um, all that. Um, you could do some physical exam if you felt comfortable to, and then you reported everything to your attending. Um, and so that was, again, a great experience, and I hope that we're able to restart that um, in the coming months. And beyond the health fairs, we also do some like, speakers, medical education events. Um, we had one in partnership with our Islamic Medical Student Association on how to take care of our Muslim patients and interact with them. We also are, have a series on COVID um, and just the general science behind it, the progression of the disease pathologically and also, um, you know, pharma pharmacy and treatment. Can you guys go into a little bit about what inspired you to join the organization? The big reason I'm so passionate like about SIM is that, you know, again, it gives you those hands-on experiences um, that 
are sometimes hard to find as a medical student. And paired with that, um, just the organization as a whole has this passion of um, helping the underserved. And I really want to be a part of that. For me, uh, it based, it's based a lot of like my experiences working in the Philippines and just seeing communities take care of themselves and also uh, you know, the individual members. I'm like, very interested in primary care, like family practice. And I feel like there's so much work that physicians can do outside of just, you know, taking care of your patients in clinic and doing your best to take care of their, like, you know, health and mental health needs. But what can you do also to address or to advocate for communities, the community needs and, and how you can integrate um, your role with what is needed, you know, in your neighborhood. What are health and healthcare disparities and what does your organization do to address them? I guess to me, health is it's a, kind of vague, but I guess it's like, you know, your, your overall well-being, you know, it's multifaceted. It's, you know, your many components, your physical health, mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, just kind of your overall wellness. Health disparities are any sort of shortcomings or differences in your health status or your disease uh, burden based on things that are um, part of that individual's identity, whether it's, you know, race, ethnicity, gender, disability status, socioeconomic status, or anything like that. Yeah, to me, healthcare disparities uh, kind of comes down to the different like starting points as far as healthcare goes. And we would like to think that everyone has the same starting point when it comes to access to healthcare and, you know, their health in general, but that's not the reality. And healthcare disparities is that difference in the starting points, um, like Rodan said, based on socioeconomic factors. We wanted to know from your perspective as med students at MSUCOM, um, do you feel like you've been given the proper education to deal with health disparities in medicine, like in your training? I feel like there's always going to be room for improvement. Um, one really exciting thing um, that happened just a few months ago was um, in our dermatology course, there was a big push to have um, dermatology pictures, so of the skin, um, of many different skin colors because um, that's one sector of medicine where um, the disease may present itself very differently depending on skin color. And for many years, we would only learn like what a disease would look on white skin. Or maybe if it happened more often, like in darker skin, we would see pictures of that. But we really got to see this year um, both um, light skin and dark skin for each of the diseases. Um, and I feel like that's one like kind of easy thing to shorten those healthcare disparities. Mm -hmm. That's actually really interesting to hear because Tanisha just like researched and made an Instagram post for us about um, how skin cancer and POC, they weren't trained to see the differences on the skin. So yes. to hear about that like change is really, it's really cool. And there are a bunch of like if you're on Instagram, which I'm sure that we all are on Instagram, so I think <laughs> Brown Skin Matters is a really popular one. For the question on, you know, what MSU has been doing, yeah, like there's always room for improvement. And I think that part of that is is not just approaching education on healthcare disparities as like a single subject and keeping it in a silo of, okay, we have to learn about healthcare disparities. This is our healthcare disparities module, or this is our healthcare disparities week. Um, you know, same thing for like diversity, right? I think it's something that truly needs to be integrated into curriculum, into each system, into 
um, each semester and kind of build. So whether that starts with implicit bias training in your first semester in your first year, and then that builds to, you know, what is cultural competency? How does this disease affect the skin? How Black and African-Americans, you know, react differently to ACE inhibitors and other hypertensive drugs? Um, like we're in our cardio unit right now, and there are different protocols based on race and whether or not, you know, you believe in race-based race -based medicine. I think that those are things that could be integrated into the curriculum. And I think that it's, you know, it's one thing to start, and it's good to start the conversation, but I think moving forward, MSU and like all med schools, like this is something that's going on across the country, should be having the conversation at you know, a deeper level moving forward. We've also been doing um, a lot of integration with like the um, LGBT community on like integrating their health needs, you know, not just having one lecture on it, you know, over four years, but whenever it's applicable, we'll, you know, in every lecture put something about this is concerned that someone in the LGBTQ community like um, might need and just getting um, more familiar with different pronouns and stuff like that. I feel like that's also can tie into healthcare disparities as well. That's so cool and definitely really important like right now during this time and everything. The reason we asked all this is definitely because like recently we interviewed another doctor and he was telling us about during his education and like when he was in college they didn't really go into depth about things like this and like they definitely did not talk about how to treat LGBTQ patients and that's really cool that you guys are doing that. We want to ask if there's anything like specific you guys think should be changed like in the medical education at MSUCOM. The specifics would be being more intentional about how they integrate or how we have the conversations, making sure that it's not just checking the box for accreditation for the college. And that's, you know, one of those things that large institutions take a long time to change. And, you know, you just, I think students and myself and Kate included just have to do our best to keep advocating and voicing what we, the changes that we want to see and do our best to and not get too jaded by the system and, you know, keep moving forward. <laughs> sure, by it. Sure. Like the only thing that I can think of is like sometimes, um, like the language we use um, like in lectures, like that bothers me when we're like, oh, you know, we need to treat the blacks, you know, with this medication. I feel like it's a little bit of a microaggression of if I was part of that, it wouldn't make me feel good. We should be more intentional with our language when we describe these different communities instead of kind of lumping them all together. Medicine's hard, so we often, you know, kind of use blanket like rules to help us treat people better. And not everyone falls into those boxes. Recognizing that people may not fit into like our treatment boxes that we're used to and being intentional with that, of trying not to treat everyone like the same with the same skin color. And I appreciate how both of you said that like health disparities shouldn't be one conversation because I didn't think about that, but as a woman of color, like it's not just one aspect of my life it's integrated in everything that we do so i think that's really important and, and it's overlooked that it should be integrated into every aspect of our education so do you guys have any advice for how we as teams and also other people in our community can be more involved in combating this issue as far as health disparities go and i'm not sure like how applicable it is to right now but you know you guys are going to be the future of medicine coming up with treatment rules of if you know when someone comes in with these symptoms that you'll treat them this way, that's one of the best ways to fight against healthcare disparities. 
um, because then you can't even inadvertently decide to give someone less care than you would normally. And that was something that, um, like, I thought was kind of surprising because, you know, there's so much emphasis on, like, implicit bias training. When I was looking into it, they said the most important thing is to, like, have in your mind how you're going to treat people who come in, like, with these symptoms that you can't inadvertently give them like lower quality care and i think that's really important i think what you guys are doing right now is actually one of the best things that you could be doing um so like doing things like this spreading awareness um it's never too early to learn and i think going back to the idea of starting the conversations early i don't think it's mm -hmm. ever too early to start thinking about like the different aspects of your identity, the implicit biases that you may hold and trying to, you know, increase your own awareness and have those difficult conversations because they are hard. Like no one wants to like realize, wow, I am discriminating against XYZ people that I didn't even know, or these are the many microaggressions I did today. And that's not great. But until we figure out, until someone calls us out on them, how are we supposed to know that like how our words or actions are maybe impacting a particular individuals. So education, and I think that's kind of like cliche to say that educate yourself, read, be willing to like be uncomfortable. Cause I think when you're uncomfortable, that's like the moments that you're growing the most. Because if you, I feel like if you're never uncomfortable, that means you're just living conservatively. Like you're just True. Yeah. <laughs> you're not trying hard enough if you don't feel like you're taking any risks. So yeah, I think this is awesome. Um, and vote. I know that we just got over this, but like it's the same thing for your like local elections, state elections, because those are like directly impacting you and your community. Actually, our last question. Do you have anything else you would like to say? I'm just like, Jazz, you guys are doing this. It's really cool. Yeah. Thank you guys for coming today. We mm -hmm. really appreciate it.